self-evident and real more now than ever before. And so, Lord God, as we go into this message, Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord God, you'd help each and every one of us, Lord God, to keep a proper perspective, to focus in on what's most important, and that is Jesus. We pray these things in your wonderful holy name. Amen. 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 So we're in, we're, uh, we're in the process of a, a series, and so you may be joining us and, and kind of picking us up towards the end of the series, but starting in January, we, we started a brand new series. Uh, I say a brand new series. We started in January. It's a little bit older series now uh, called Who Is This Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And the reason why we're in that series is because it, it, we talk about Jesus and we, and we make reference to Jesus and maybe you've heard about Jesus or maybe you go to church and you talk, they hear about Jesus or whatever it may be, but really who is this Jesus we're talking about? And why is he worthy to be followed and, and why is he worthy to, be, to put our faith and trust in him? And, and, and when we put our faith and trust in him, what does that mean for us? So we've been in this series called Who Is This Jesus, and so we're, we're, we're kind of getting closer towards the end of the series. We've got one message left, which is Easter next week, so I hope you're already making plans next week to join us, because I'm really excited, because that's going to be the pinnacle of really understanding who Jesus is, is when we talk about it on Easter, and we celebrate Easter together. But today, what we're going to talk about is, when who is this Jesus? He is the Passover lamb. He is the Passover lamb. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to kind of take a walk through history to understand the importance of the Passover. What exactly is the Passover? Why is it important? What, what is going on right here in Luke 22? But also, what does that mean from the standpoint of what happened in Luke 22? What did that put us from the standpoint of what that meant for us today? Because maybe you've heard about Passover or maybe you watched the movie The Ten Commandments and, and, and you saw something about, something about a Passover going on. But I really want to explain, I'm going to want to walk through history for us to understand the truth of the Passover and the true meaning of the Passover and why it's important to us today. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is number one, we're going to take a look back. We're going to take a look back. Because in order for us to understand what's going on right here in Luke 22, when he talks about it's, it's time for the Passover, we really need to understand what's the origins of the Passover. Now, if you've been tracking with us for a good little while, a couple Wednesday nights ago, we talked about the Passover in specific, but I'm going to kind of review that so we're all on the same page. But there's a book, the second book of your Bible, Genesis and then Exodus, and, and Exodus is, is, the, is the, basically the account of the, the nation of Israel that has been put in bondage in Egypt. And they go through a process of God delivering them out of Egypt. And the Passover is that hinge point in the book of Exodus. Because before that, there were uh, several different things that God did to try to allow the people to get out and to go to the promised land that God had promised them. But, but every single time, Pharaoh in Egypt would not let the people go. But Passover is a, is a hinge moment because what happened at Passover is what was the catalyst to get the people out of Egypt and to that promised land. So here's what God did. God, God instructed them specifically that they, would, they were to take a, a, a lamb without blemish, a spotless lamb, and they were to kill that lamb. And they were to roast that lamb, and they were supposed to eat that lamb. And then what they were supposed to do is then take the blood from that lamb 
and put it on the doorpost and the lintel or the top of their, of, their, of their houses, and they were supposed to go in. And what God said would happen is that when, when, when they did that and they went inside and they put the blood and all that kind of stuff, that God would come across at midnight and any place he did not see the blood of the spotless lamb, the lamb without blemish, the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, if he, if he didn't see that, in that house, the firstborn would die. And so that's exactly what happened at midnight. That, that's exactly what happened. It, it came by in every single house that didn't have the blood of the lamb on its doorpost, the firstborn would die. So there was much, much carnage and much chaos and, and, and screaming and wailing all throughout Egypt because there were several people that were dying, but the people that were made safe and the people that were made, made, made uh, okay and, 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 and perfect and, and, and not able to, uh, to be harmed in any way were those people that put their faith and trust in what God said. And they, and, they, and they killed that spotless lamb. They made that sacrifice, and they applied the blood of the sacrifice to their door. And because of the sacrifice and because of the blood, they passed from death. Death passed over them. Death passed over that they escaped death because of the sacrifice and because of the blood. And in that, in, the, in in Exodus chapter twelve, which kind of accounts the Passover, there's a, there's a, a section there where it talks about that they are to remember this, that they are to make this a memorial, that they were supposed to do this, that that this is going to be an annual thing, that basically their calendar was going to change, that this was going to be how their how their religious calendar started was going to start with Passover. This is going to be the beginning of something, a new beginning for the people of Israel. And so every single year, they would celebrate the Passover. They would take that spotless lamb. They would kill that spotless lamb. And, and, they, would, and they would eat it. But then also, they would, they would coincide with that. They would have a feast for, for, for seven days of unleavened bread. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But they were supposed to, to eat unleavened bread, which was, which was bread without yeast. Okay, Bread that wouldn't rise. They were supposed to, for seven days to eat that unleavened bread. But this was something that every single year, every single Jew had to, had to, had to, had to celebrate the Passover and had to come together and, 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 and eat the Passover. And so here we are in, 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 in going, let's, now that we've taken kind of a look back, that we understand where the Passover was instituted and how that God, because of a sacrifice that was made and he saw the blood, provided them escape from death and given them the promised land. Now, if you're taking notes number two, I want to take a look in. I want to take a look in. We took a look back, but now I want to take a look in. So if you're still following along, if you're still following along in X, uh, excuse me, in Luke chapter number 22, we're going to pick back up in verse number 7. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. So they're doing the exact same thing that they talked about in Exodus 12, that every single year they're supposed to come back together and they're supposed to have the Feast of Unleavened Bread and to kill the Passover. Verse 8, And he sent Peter and John, that's two of Jesus' disciples, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. 
And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? Basically, where do you want us to set up to, to have the Passover meal? Verse 10, And he said unto them, Behold, when you, have, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house wherein he entereth in. And so Jesus says, hey, you're going to go into the city and there's going to be a guy there that's going to have a pitcher of water and, and, and you go with him and he'll show you where we're going to have it. Let's see how that works out. Verse 11, And you shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? So he, asked, he actually told him exactly what to say to the man. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. Verse 13, and they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. So exactly what Jesus told them to do, exactly what Jesus told them to say. And so when they did what Jesus said, and they said what Jesus told them to say, and here we are, they find that man, he shows them room, and they are now preparing for the Passover to be celebrated again this year. But what's interesting is that this Passover is, about to, is going to be different than any other Passover. And really what happens in this Passover will change the course of history moving forward even to today because of how this Passover will be slightly different than the Passover that was in Exodus 12. Verse 14, And when the hour was come, he sat down and twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus desired to, 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 to have this moment with his disciples before he would suffer. Now, if you know anything about the, the Christian heritage or, or the Christian faith, that when we're talking about suffering, this he is pointing to the fact that he's about to go to a cross. He's about to go to a cross to, to pay for sins he has not committed, to go and die a death that he doesn't deserve. And so, but he's desiring to have this Passover with his disciples. In verse 16, For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. One thing about the Passover meal was that there were several different cups that they would do, and there was actually four different cups that they would use in the Passover. And so this is one of the first few cups, and we're about to get to the last and final cup. But, there, but, there's, but there's different times where they're, 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 they're taking this bread and, 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 and drinking this wine and taking this bread and drinking this wine. So in verse 19, here's what Jesus said. And he took bread, that unleavened bread, and gave thanks, and break it. And break it. Now, that's pretty significant because, not just from the standpoint of, obviously you have to break bread in order to be able to share it with others, but that broken bread signifies something else. And Jesus says that right here, and gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. So, so when he talks about this bread, and he breaks this bread, he's letting his disciples know, look, this, is, this, is, this represents my body. This represents my body that is going to be broken. 
this body that's going to go to the cross and, and be broken so that, so that something else can happen. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But his body was going to be broken. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. Now, what's interesting about this is that he is actually changing. He's actually changing at this very moment what the Passover truly means. Because before, the reason why they would do the Passover was to remember what God did for the nation of Israel in Egypt. What did God do in the nation of Israel? And they were supposed to remember that God delivered them from death and delivered them to the promised land. And so that's what the Passover was all about. But at that moment, Jesus says, wait a second. You're not doing this in remembrance of what God did in the past. What God did in Egypt, what you're doing right now, you're doing this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. That the Passover forever from this point forward would not be in remembrance of what, they did, what God did in Egypt. But today, the Passover, in this moment, at this time, the Passover would be in remembrance of Jesus. Of Jesus. Now let's keep on going. Verse 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper, that's that fourth cup of the Passover meal, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. So that cup represented something different as well. Before, the cup would represent the blood that was put on the doorpost in Egypt so that they would pass from death and they would go into the promised land. But now what Jesus is saying that, wait a second, now this cup represents something different. The, 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 the bread represented, represented from the standpoint of, of the deliverance in Egypt, but now it represents Jesus. And now the cup, which represented the blood that was put on the doorpost and the lintel in Egypt thousands of years before this, now represents the blood of Christ. And what's interesting in this is it says the, the cu- this cup is the New Testament in my blood. See, before, see, what, what, what happens is in, in the Old Testament, you have a, a, a covenant that is made, a covenant, really the covenant of law. And so what it was in the Old Testament was you need to follow the law, you need to follow the law, you need to follow the law. You follow the law and you will be, you will be right with God if you follow the law. But now we're talking about this new covenant, this new testament that, 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 that doesn't just completely take away the law. It fulfills the law in Jesus. And now we, we, we are, instead of it being a place of law, we're in a place of grace. This new covenant with Jesus, with grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. In the Old Testament, it's about what can you do to please God. And over here, it's about, hey, there's nothing you can do to please God. It's because God shows favor on you. And notice this in verse 20, likewise also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Which is shed for you. What he was trying to help him understand was that, hey, this blood, this cup that represents my blood, it's not just blood for, for blood's sake. It's not just shed blood for, for, for just because, hey, I'm going to do it, and now we're going to remember it that I shed my blood. This blood had a purpose. This blood had meaning. 
This blood was going to be shed for the disciples. But when he said shed for you, he wasn't just talking about disciples. He wasn't just talking about the people that were there. He wasn't just talking about the people that were living in that time. When he said, when he said, which is shed for you, he was saying this, this blood which was shed for you. Was shed for you. That the blood he was about to shed on the cross was for you. It was for you. So we've taken, we've taken a look back. We've taken a look in. So now, let's take a look forward. Let's take a look forward. Here we are, here we are from the standpoint of, we, we, we know what the Passover represented in, in, in Egypt and with the nation of Israel in, in the book of Exodus. We now understand what the Passover now means in, in the context of Luke 22 in the time when Jesus was was walking around on this earth we understand that but now let's take a look forward from that point in Luke forward what 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 now what now does the Passover mean for us from that point that point when Jesus had that Passover with his disciples up to this point and to the future what does that mean for us now, what's interesting about this is that in order to understand this, we need to look at two different verses. One is John 1, 29. John 1, 29. Now, the context of this verse is this is actually before Jesus' baptism. So it looks like we're going back, but in reality, what is being said right here is a look forward because John in 1, 1 says, The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming into, unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Even before we get to this point of Passover with Jesus, John the Baptist was proclaiming a truth that still stands today. That Jesus is not just. Jesus is not just some, some man in a, in a book. Jesus is not just some man that we, we learn about in history that actually walked and talked and was, was with us. He wasn't just a great prophet. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just somebody who did some good miracles and, and, and good deeds for other people. Jesus is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When we talk about in Exodus, we talked about in Exodus about this lamb, this spotless lamb without blemish that was killed and the blood that was applied. It was not just in reference to what God was doing there for the nation of Israel in Egypt. It was a picture of what was to come. It was a picture of the fact that there was going to be a sacrifice required. There was going to need to be a spotless and without blemish lamb. There was going to have to be blood shed and applied. And that lamb is Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. What's so interesting about that is that in order to take care of my sin, there is nothing I can do. Absolutely zero that I can do to take away my sin. But according to your Bible, 
according to your Bible, because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done. He and Him alone can take away your sin. Look at this in in 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians is a book written by the Apostle Paul. This is after Jesus' death. Notice what he says in in chapter 5, verse 7. It says, Purge out therefore the old leaven. Remember, we were doing uh, uh, unleavened bread and and talked about this feast they were going to do. And and, and here's what what Paul is saying. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. Notice in verse the, the end of verse 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Verse 8 says, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Whenever you see the word leaven in your Bible, or unleaven, leaven meaning yeast, a, 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 what leaven usually has a context from. In the, I've only found one place in the Bible where it has a positive context, but it's more in the standpoint of something that grows, not necessarily talking about the leaven, but every time you see leaven, it is a representation of sin. And what, what, what Paul is saying is here, you know, we need to get out that old leaven. We need to, uh, we need to get rid of the sin and, 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 and become a new lump. But here's what's interesting about this in verse 7. Again, as year 11, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Let me help you with this. You cannot, you cannot take care of your sin. You can't do it. Okay? You, you, need, to, you, you, you need to be done with sin and, 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 and be all for Jesus. But you can do nothing about your sin because without the blood of Jesus, Without the blood of Jesus. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So now we see, now we see because that Christ is our Passover, because he's been, he has sacrificed for us, that we can be done with our sin, not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. And if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we can be forever saved, have a forever home in heaven, not because of us, but because of Christ. Now, some of you are like, okay, what's the big deal about this, Buchanan? Like, why, why is this so important that we talk about this? For some of you, let me help you with this. For some of you, it's like, oh my gosh, that's not new information. I've been in church my whole entire life. Why is this important to me? Here's the reason why it's important to you, because we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to forget. I don't know about you, but in the times that we live in right now, what's going on in our, in our world, in our nation, in our state, in our community, I think this is the perfect time. This is the perfect time for us to get a fresh glimpse of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. What I love that Jesus said in Luke 22, he said, this do in remembrance of me. Now, we had a church calendar, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but probably you figured out that the church calendar kind of got thrown out the window when things kind of changed, all right? So we've been kind of going this week by week and and not really knowing when we're going to be able to come together again or whatever it may be. And so here's what we had. Our church calendar today, we were going to have communion. Now, that may, that may not be something you're very familiar with. I don't know. You may be very familiar with communion. 
But communion is a time for reflection and a time for remembrance. It is a time to reflect and to remember. The reason why we say it's a time of reflection and remembrance is because here's what we're doing. When we have communion, we are talking, okay, that when, when, we, when we take that juice, we're remembering the blood that was shed. When we take the, the, that, that bread, we're remembering the body that was broken. And so even though we can't physically have communion today, I think it's a perfect time for us to, as we get closer to Easter, to understand and remember that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And let me help you with this. If you're a Christian, you don't need to ever get over that. You don't need to get over that. That is, that is, that is, that is the hinge point of our faith. Because without Jesus dying on that cross, we have no hope. Zero hope. No hope whatsoever unless Jesus dies on the cross for my sin and for yours. We have no hope. And so I want, I want to, on, on, on a more regular basis, and especially as we track towards Easter, for us to say, hey, you know what? It may be something we've heard year after year after year after year, but we need to hear it again. That Jesus is, he is the Passover lamb. That the only reason why we're able to, to, to escape death is not because of what we do. And it's not because of our good works. And it's not because that, that in any way, shape, or form we can do anything or somebody else can do something. The only way we escape death is only through the blood of Jesus. Only through that body that's broken. Only because of what Jesus did for us, not what we do for him. And so here's, here's, here's what I want to help everybody with, is that when Jesus died on that cross, this Passover that has happened, this sacrifice that was made, it became a, when this, when this sacrifice was made on the cross in Jesus Christ himself, let me help you with this, it became the final and forever sacrifice for you and me. For you and me. If anything, if anything, this is the time. This is the time where we need to understand how important it is, how important it is to realize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the only way we can have life, eternal life, in heaven and home with Him is not because of what we do, but all because of what He has done. So here's what I want to do. This is our invitation. Do not turn this off. This is the most important part of the whole entire message. This is the invitation. Now, why do we call it the invitation? We call it an invitation because we're inviting.